Hello, my name is Jack Richardson, and this is Eddie Film Club on Fresh Air. Hello, and welcome to Eddie Film Club, right on Fresh Air. I'm your host, Jack Richardson, and this is going to be such an exciting episode. This week, I'm going to be talking about The Breakfast Club with a special guest who I'll introduce in just a second. Um, I hope all of you are doing good. If all of you are feeling good, it's been a, you know, a difficult time right now, but we're, we're coping through it. We're working through it. Um, before I introduce my very special guest, I just want to take a quick moment to shout out Dominion Cinema right here in Edinburgh. Um, they've currently got a crowd funder out right now to support them. They're one of the only uh, family-run cinemas left in Scotland. Um, obviously, their running costs are really high right now with the pandemic, around £20,000, um, I think, like a, a week, a month, a month. It's a month. Um, and honestly... If you have the money, even just a couple of pounds, please go support them because they deserve it. So if you want to support a local independent family-run cinema that is just has such a long history, stunning. This is the second time that they have had to close in their entire history. The first one was because of World War II. Like that is the history and the legacy of this cinema. So if you want to support them, please go to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash support dash your dash dominion dash cinema. That's crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash support dash your dash dominion dash cinema. And now that that's all over and done with, I'm so happy to introduce my very special guest this week. Joining me is my best friend, Stella Clancy. Hello. Hi, Stella. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm a bit nervous to be on here, but I'm good. I'm excited. Yeah, so I want to start off this week by talking about what we start every week with, with a guest. Um, what you love, what you hate in films. It can be specific, it can be general, whatever you want. Okay, so let's start with um, what do you love? I feel what do you like love in the films? main thing I like in a film is quite a like character focused film, if that makes sense. Like not one with lots of characters, but like actually funnily enough, I like ones with few characters, but where they have like a good amount of character development between them. Um also yeah. I'm a big I'm a big fan of a film is in one setting which is appropriate for film we are talking about today i just i like that i like exactly. i like when they feel very sort of enclosed and you know it's really story focused i vibe with that um yeah i think sometimes people try too hard to cram too much in or to do too many things mm. and sometimes all you want is kind of a small uh small setting one location, small range of characters, just have like a really nice time. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, exactly. I think that's what like a lot of indie films do quite nicely. 
Mm. I like I feel like that kind of feel is quite it's just nice. I like it. Yeah. Um and I know that you love a, a little horror movie as well. Yes. Um I feel like either I like horror films or a sort of rousing drama, if you will. <laughs> either like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or like the King's Speech. Yeah, well, mm, mm, yeah, maybe not. I've actually never seen the King's Speech, so we will never know. I mean, a King's Speech uh, is is it's fine. It's it's absolutely fine. He stutters now, a lot, doesn't he? In terms of oh, he does stutter a that's lot. The, he that's stutters the quite a bit. Yeah, I had a star as a child. Did um, you? So I should relate to this movie, but I don't because I wasn't a king. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a key issue with the relatability of the film. That is really my kind of problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. So now if we just want to go into what don't you like? I feel like I already have a good idea what you're gonna say, but like tell our lovely <laughs> listeners, what don't you like still get up um, you? Superhero films and laughing. is essentially what I don't like you like laughing yeah okay I want to make this clear I have joy in my heart okay I I like Mm. funny films I just don't like a lot of films that are created to be funny in like the very sort of abrasive sense you know I yeah I might just be I don't like American sort of comedy films yeah you're very patriotic. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Just love Britain. Um, and then superhero films, nothing. <laughs> there is nothing redeemable about them. They're disgusting. I hate them. Oh, yeah. And I'm not even ashamed. I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, in, in I don't think I hate them as much as you. I, you know, as I said in my first episode, I think I feel you on that. Like, I remember when we went to see uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is a really good movie. Um, in the cinema and you all I heard just in the corner of my ear was you going well that's not very realistic is it he would have died from that fall (laughs) well like it's true though and they have these people doing these mad things you're just like it's not believable and I hate I hate the formula of it because you can't get invested. Mm. They have these big fights and you're like and they lose the fight and you're meant to be all like stressed for them, sad for them. But I wouldn't be because I know that in about half an hour's time that they're gonna have their big final fight and they're gonna win and it's all gonna be fine. Yeah. I just I find them very yeah. formulaic and boring. You know? Yeah. I just think it requires like I don't know. I I, I waver on them. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I'm a fan. Um, but I do kind of struggle with a lot of the more formulaic-y, trope-heavy, like, Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. And yeah. also because, like, they're basically, like, each of them are, like, two-hour episodes of a TV show because they're all, like, interconnected and you have to watch. And it's too much. Yeah. It's, it's far too much. I Yeah, I'm very on... Educated on the whole Marvel universe as a thing, if I'm being honest. So yeah, I just I don't I you're don't like I don't you're not a stan. I'm not a scholar of Marvel. And you know what? 
<laughs> we watch foreign movies. We watch French movies yeah. here. Yeah, we're classy. Time. No, we're classy bitches. No, we 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 love everything from uh, very independent cinema to very very mainstream blockbusters. Just superheroes is is not really our thing. No. It's not our thing. Not at all. But you know that's okay. It's not going to be for everybody. Um, but yeah, so that has been Stella Clancy's <laughs> pet love and bugaboos. I feel like I'm so going to get hate now. <laughs> you will absolutely get hate mail, um, and I will tell my mum to <laughs> try to restrain herself. Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back to you in one minute. Don't go away. And we are back from that lovely little break. I'm here with my special guest, Stella Clancy, to Hello. talk about... <laughs> Self-promo as always. Yeah. To talk about the classic teen movie. The teen movie to end all teen movies, really. Mm. The Breakfast Club, directed by John Hughes, 1985. This is such a classic uh, teen movie. Uh, Such a classic movie in general. Uh, Really emblematic of the 80s. Um, we'll get into all of that. We'll get into why Stella picked this movie to talk about. Um, but first of all, yeah, Stella, would you like course. to do a little um, quick I'll try and keep it not too spoiler heavy for those who want to listen to it after this. Um, listen to it, yeah. watch it. I mean, I'm in the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, it is a movie set in the eighties from the eighties, um, and it follows a group of five ragtag teens. Um, from different social groups and they are all um, in Saturday detention together and it essentially just follows their day in detention and it starts off they're quite um, disparate they're quite separate they don't really like each other talk to each other whatever because of these different cliques they're a part of Um, but you know they grow through the day they learn a lot about each other and it's just about that them kind of forging these new relationships and the trials of teenagehood and that sort of thing. It's, yeah. And then they end the day with a nice little letter. Yeah, I think that that is a perfect little plot description. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's really kind of taking from like, you know, the the usual cliques that were associated with it in high school. You know, they've got the jock and they've got the rebel and they've got the princess cheerleader, the geek and the basket case and, you know, the weirdo. Yeah. Like, and kind of bring them all together and looking at how they fit into those boxes, but more importantly, how they don't fit into those boxes. And I think it's a really, really good movie. And actually rewatching it for the podcast made me appreciate how good the movie actually is. Yeah. Um, that and when the Nickelodeon sitcom Victorious <laughs> did a little episode um, 
parody inspired by based off of on it. That is the most rogue episode of any children's show ever. It's so strange. Um, it's very inspired by, but also like so, like not at all like the film because obviously it's a kids yeah. show. But yeah, oh, it's so funny. Also, it's a kids show, but that show is deeply unwell for so many reasons. But you know, this isn't a victorious yeah. podcast. Although maybe, maybe if I ever get successful enough to um, start up a Patreon. We can do a like a victorious episode. Oh, a little bonus episode of Victorious. Oh. But yeah, I guess my first question for you is tell me a little bit about because the way that Eddie Film Club works, just for all you lovely listeners out there, is I invite my guests to really pick whatever movie they want to talk about. So I'm always intrigued to find out why they pick which movie they pick. Um, or what topic they want to talk about. So my first question to you, Stella Clancy, is tell me a little bit about your history with this movie and why this movie means so much to you. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it was quite difficult deciding what film I wanted to talk about um, leading up to this, but the one that was like in my mind, in the back of my mind the whole time, was The Breakfast Club, because it is my favourite film. It has been probably since mm. I was about 13, maybe. Um I I always kind of just loved 80s films. I remember my mum showed me, the first one I ever saw was Pretty in Pink, which is also a good film. But um, yeah. then she, she watched The Breakfast Club with me like a few years later. And I just remember falling in love with it. I think I, I loved how, just how relatable it was for literally, I feel like any... Teenage, like teenagers in any era could relate to this film. I feel like it is just, it encapsulates exactly what it is to be a teenager. And also, it's just a fun film. I like it a lot. And I love the clothes. I love the aesthetic. Um, yeah, it's just everything I like about films. Yeah. yeah you are a real 80s film connoisseur. Yeah. It's, they're essentially the only, I mean, they're not the only films I watch. But they're like, my top five yeah. films are made up of 80s films. Well, the aesthetics, the, like, I feel like there's a reason that the, I mean, no decade really ever goes away. But the 80s especially mm. has not go has not gone away. And I think there's a reason for that, because it feels distant from where we are now. And yet that's some, some kind of like youthful vibe. You know, I feel yeah. like the 80s still makes yeah. sense today. Yeah, I feel like um, 80s, yeah. 80s films, like, I feel like the 80s was the the high point for sort of teen films. I yeah. feel like they, they did that well in the 80s. Well, also, they've set so many, like, touchstones that are now replicated by teen culture today. Like, if you watch, like, Riverdale... You know, yeah. you can see the clear you know, line from a John Hughes movie to Riverdale. Aside from the fact that Molly Ringwald is also now in Riverdale. <gasps> oh, um, yeah! Yeah, along with translating books from French. Yeah, it's like... Uh, her it's like um, the Winona Ryder is the mum in... Uh, yeah. 
Stranger Things. And that's a very it's 80s TV show. show so. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, don't get me into Stranger Things because I'm, I'm not the biggest Stranger Things fan. I have never seen it, which it's is a shock to so many people because it should be everything I like. But yeah, I just but, can't get into it. Yeah. I... Well, see, like, I think that you might like it, but also I don't know if it's necessarily the kind of 80s nostalgia that you like. Like, yeah. it feels more childish than teen. Hmm, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just because the, the kids are pretty young, but I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have, like, a big teen energy to me. It's, and if anything, it feels more like E.T., Maybe like a kind of scarier ET. Maybe you could describe it as quite infantile. I suppose <laughs> you could you could describe it as quite infantile. <laughs> oh no, start not do infantility. Is that a word? <laughs> um, it is now. Eddie Film Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna coin coin a little word, uh, infantility. Um, so yeah, this movie was directed by. The legendary director and screenwriter John Hughes, who is responsible for some of the most iconic teen movies in the 80s. I'd say this is probably his most famous movie, the most iconic movie of his. I would say so. I think it's the one with the most lasting power, probably. Mm. Because I think if you speak to anyone sort of around our age, they've probably seen it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it, it feels like it's had this kind of like impact that has continued on. That maybe not necessarily all like the kind of Brat Pack movies from that era necessarily had. Yeah, there are still he like a lot of really kind of great classic movies. Um, I'm not particularly well versed in his filmography. Uh, I've seen a couple. Uh, I've still never seen Pretty in Pink. Um, I can't remember if that's a joke. I've never seen 16 Candles. Uh, Me neither. Which, you know. I find 16 Candles quite 16 difficult candles. to watch for various yeah. reasons, but uh, that's maybe yeah. for another episode. Yeah, the problem with. Uh, so, like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it with this movie and some of the, the things about this movie that haven't aged particularly well. Yeah. But. I think that from what I've heard, Sixteen Candles um, ages particularly badly in some cases, particularly about kind of racism and uh, kind of like offensive humor that feels really kind of gross and bad in 2020. Yeah, I and mean, it was bad then, but it feels especially. Bad. Um, and it's not to say that the Breakfast Club is, you know perfect in that regard but I feel like it holds up a lot better than a lot of the kind of standard teen movies from that time so I just want to talk a little bit about who I believe to be your favorite character from this movie correct me if I'm wrong Bender (laughs) yes yes I do you know what yeah he's he was my favorite character I think he's probably still is. I dressed up as him for Halloween one year. Do you remember that? No. No. (laughs) It was was a really poor costume, if I'm being honest. I think I put some jeans on, a flannel shirt, and a denim jacket. 
and just hold it that. Which is just your look. <laughs> I know. At that time. It really was. It really, really was. Um, but yeah. No, he is. He's probably my favourite character. I I don't know why, if I'm being honest. I think I just, when I first saw the film, I liked his sort of rebelliousness, you know? Um, mm. And yeah, I just thought he was quite cool. Um, and I think he's just, he's probably got quite a lot of the humour in the film, I would say. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's probably still my favourite, I would say. It's a real ensemble cast, but I kind of feel like he just, you know, as a little FYI, if you've not seen the movie, um, Bender is kind of the rebellious character. He makes fun of other people. He's kind of mean, but in a funny way. He's a criminal. You know, he kind of uses that as part of his identity, kind of wears it as like a badge of honor. Um that's kind of the click that he fits into. Yeah. Um, probably the clique that I fitted into in high school as well, because, you know, I was very, very rebellious. <laughs> yeah, big rebellious uh, nature. <laughs> just, uh, I, I just like to think of myself as quite a kind of countercultural icon. Yeah. What, um, yeah. what character do you think I would be in The Breakfast Club, if you had to? <laughs> oh, that's so hard. Turning the tables on you and asking you the questions. Yeah, I love that though. Because there's there's not a drama kid, right? No. There is no drama kid. I feel like I kind of see a little bit of Brian in you. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Like, I I would want to be the bender, the John Bender, but I I am Brian. I just am. Because I was... Yeah. You're a loser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, Brian is kind of like the geeky one, the nerdy one. I love Brian in this movie. Brian's probably my favorite character. Um, I think he is the sweetest. With, uh, yeah. Him and um, uh, I've Alison Sheedy's character. What's her name in the film? Yeah. <sighs> This, okay, Eddie Film Club, we're really not very professional. <laughs> we're really not. But you know what? I think it's what endears people to us, you know? I'm definitely not blind. Googling it right now. I'm definitely not Googling it right now. Is it Ali? Is no. It, honestly, That's her name. Ali Judy is the actor's name. Allison? Honestly. It's Allison. We're keeping this in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> also apologies because you can definitely hear my boiler in the background <laughs> it's all <laughs> it's shambles here film club. but you know what like we we gotta keep this in the edit we gotta keep this in the edit so yeah Ali Shitty's character is Allison yeah. it's raw yeah. yeah. See, I knew it. I just had a blank. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. That was such a weird uh, two minutes <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Apologies. Um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
No apologies at all. This, you know, we like to be freewheeling. We like to be, you know, gonna like let the wind take us wherever we want to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah. See, who do you th- think I am? The jock. Um, I know that you're thinking. Definitely not the jock. I, not to, not to be a copycat. But I do, I do think that you're probably closest to Brian as well. I feel like maybe in a, well, I don't yeah. know if this is a big generalization with like just who we, the type of people we were at school. But I feel like most people, realistically, are probably most similar to like Brian or Allison, maybe. Yeah. I don't know because I feel like the other three are yeah. very, very like stereotype off yes. the, the clique that they are a part of, you know? Um, yeah. Of the very kind of specific um, the very kind of like specific types, I feel like Brian's maybe a bit more all-encompassing. And the thing is, like I, like based on the like type that she's meant to represent, I should feel represented with Ali because she's kind of meant to have like mental illness, so Obviously, I relate. <laughs> and she's yeah. meant to be, like, weird, right? And, like, we were weird. Yeah. Know? We were weird kids. Yeah. Not, like, in that, in the specific kind of way that she does it. Like, she's, like, it, kind of playing something else. Yeah. I feel like with her, like, her weirdness is very, very, like, blatant. Like, uh, this is strange. I am yeah. weird. Um, which I don't know yeah. that, like, most people can really relate to like I feel like with that one it's really sort of playing the character up quite a bit yeah Um, Um, but yeah she was to be honest with you like she's probably my second favorite character in the film though I I do love yeah um honestly can we talk though okay spoiler alert no we don't really care about spoilers because you know we care over it but if you're listening to this episode, go over it. There's a scene later on in the movie where um, Molly Ringwald's character, Claire, gives Ali Sheedy a little makeover. And can we talk about how much worse she looks after that makeover? Yeah. No, I know. Um, that scene, yeah. I... That scene is, is, is something else. I don't know. I remember when I sort of younger I used to defend that scene like just because it was my favorite film I didn't want anyone to say negative things about it yeah um and I do I do think to an extent it is less about I mean obviously it does end with her you know getting the guy because she's suddenly pretty because she has makeup on or whatever um but I did I did think that that scene is also quite a bit to do with like the the bonding between her and uh, Molly Ringwald's character, like it's kind of yeah, it kind of shows them becoming friends, and you know Molly Ringwald's accepting her, which she probably wouldn't have done at the start of the film. But yeah, at the same time, I don't vibe with the new look. You know, she had this cool like yeah heavy eyeliner vibe going on. She looked a bit edgy. It was a look. I yeah, honestly, she. Looks how I strive to sometimes. That's yeah, and with that dandruff, you know, that's something we can all relate to. 
Yeah, for sure. A little bit of dandruff in my life. I know I have. Can we? That's a little Eddie Film Club exclusive. Can we talk about how beautiful her art is, though, that she covers in dandruff? She's got some talent. And it looks better with the dandruff. I'll tell you what, it was artistic. Oh, it was. That's modern art. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, moving on to Andy. The jock. Um, I'd say he's like, I wouldn't say I like his character, but he's a very kind of interesting subversion of the whole kind of jock yeah. persona. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think that he's very strange as a character, but fun. Yeah, he's bizarre. He's a strange one. I, I feel like when I first sort of watched the film, I found his character, I I found him the most boring. But I think that was just because I didn't engage enough with him. I think because he just didn't have any, like, there was nothing about him that, like, caught my wee 13-year-old kind of... I, you know, I was just like, this is kind of boring. Like, he's not a bad boy. He doesn't have like nice clothes like the others, and like, you know, I was just a bit sort of like, he's just. Um, but yeah, yeah. The more that I've watched it, he he's very interesting, and also it's, I feel like his backstory and his like family life is just quite sad, um, because you know he's yeah. He, has this constant thing with his dad where he feels like he has to be this certain person and live up to his dad, who sounds honestly like a horrible person, you know? Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah like he's he's more interesting than I think I gave him. Yeah. But then that's kind of what all of their parents are like, really. Um, all, that's sort of oh, the, yeah, that's a the big thing that they like main point of the film. Mm. yeah absolutely like that's a big uh thing that they bring up that you know everybody's the relationship between all teenagers and their parents i mean i'm sure we don't need to tell that to you lovely listeners but you know parental teen relationships can be a challenge sometimes you know they can be difficult but you get over it um and you work through it uh, the final character of the kind of main five yeah. that I want to quickly talk about is Molly Ringwald's character Claire. She is the kind of the princess um, of the. That's the kind of the character that she's meant to represent. You know, they never explicitly yeah. say that she's the cheerleader or anything. But that's the kind of character that you know, popular, pretty, that kind of. Yeah. Vibe. Okay. So yeah, what do you um, think of Molly Ringwald's I, character in this movie? I love Claire. Um, I, I think, love yeah, I, I, I love her. I love her kind of vibe. I think, like, at the start, she's she's very snooty at the start, but also, like, I I just appreciate her. I appreciate her vibe. Um, I think her clothes are incredible, as a side note. I love her clothes. Mm. She's probably the aesthetic. Oh, so is her, her aesthetic is my favourite. Um, but yeah, no, I love her character. And I think, like, there's quite a nice thing about her in that she is quite honest 
And she says that she says mm. that in the film. You know, when they the, there's this scene where they're all kind of like talking about if they're gonna speak to each other in like school the next day or on the after the weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, well, honestly, like no. And obviously, you're meant to think, oh my gosh, like she's so horrible. But at the same time, like, I yeah. appreciate that honesty that she has about herself. Um, yeah. yeah i i feel sorry for her as well i think i feel less sorry for her than i do all the others because yeah i mean they have quite horrible home lives and stuff but i i do feel sorry for her and she's got this whole sort of like feeling like she has to perform for her friends and she has to do what they want her to do and that sort of thing which is a bit of a shame but yeah yeah i like her (laughs) yeah uh, and now that we've gone down all of the main cast, it's time to play a little game that we like to, to play on Eddie Film Club called Six Degrees of Shrek. So exciting. Uh, if you haven't listened to it before, um, the rules of Six Degrees of Shrek are very, very simple. Um, Shrek is the second highest grossing animated film franchise of all time and something like the 17th in terms of all movies ever shrek's got a very large (laughs) impact on the film industry we believe here in eddie film club that you can get to shrek from any movie in six degrees of separation or less this how is it that this is so much harder than it was for La Haine, which is a 90s black and white independent <gasps> French movie. No way. No yeah, well, that La Haine has a Shrek number of zero because literally one of the people in La Haine, Vincent Castle, plays the uh, uh, Robin Hood, oh my the God. French Robin Hood guy. Wow. Yeah. Um, this, I could only get a Shrek number of two, really? the high, which is not very high, but the highest so far, you know, for the Breakfast Club. I think a lot of them aren't really acting as much anymore. Which, yeah, um, they're not really, yeah. to be honest. I actually, yeah, I actually think that it's pretty much only Molly Ringwald that I've seen. And I've, I've, I yeah. might have seen Ali Sheedy and something else. Um, but definitely not yeah. from Moon's Trial. There's a weird thing where multiple members of the cast have had bit cameo roles in The Dark Knight, which is just so strange. Yeah, that's so strange to me. But yeah, just to show you guys my working, Mike Myers, obvious legendary uh, voice actor of Shrek and the Shrek movies, was in the movie Home with Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon was in the movie Tempest with Molly Ringwald. So that is two degrees of Shrek. And if any of you lovely listeners think that you can do better than me in getting number two, put your money where your mouth is. Message us. I'll give you the socials later. If you can do better than me, if you do, I'll read it out on the podcast. You know, very, very exciting. Uh, I think the 
the next thing that I want to go on to is something that we kind of touched on earlier. Um, the Breakfast Club is an amazing movie. There are a couple of things that haven't aged well. Yes, that is for <laughs> sure. Are a little bit um, particularly in the interactions between Bender and Claire, yeah. who kind of have like a little romance. Uh, it's such a, a weird romance because they really do spend a big yeah, chunk of the movie. It's, it's strange because, like, it happens very quickly, you know, um, and mm. she does just kind of seem to switch and suddenly start liking him, which uh, maybe that's a testament to spending the day in one room with someone and having deep chats with them, that's maybe. Fair. Maybe that's that's what that's saying, how you fall in love. Um, but yeah. honestly, teenager. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dodgy. Yeah. Just as, oh, you know, that? if you're not seeing the movie, there's just to, for anybody out there, if you've not seen the movie, um, there's a couple of like sexist uh, jibes, um, particularly uh, so a little bit of fat shaming directed towards Molly Ringwald's character. It's not great. Um, yeah, it lots, does not read well lots of. I mean, there's all. the very um, obvious uh, scene in which he does just put his head in between her legs and up her skirt. Um, without her even knowing, which is, is not good. And, wait, did you forget that one? I literally complete. I watched this movie literally yesterday. <laughs> How did I forget that that <laughs> happened? That's very good. That is the main yeah, one. That is, That's the one that, um, like, Molly out. Ringwald has spoken out about and stuff. Yeah, because, like, that is, like, really really bad um, um and, yeah mm, no it's like, it's a it's a very bad bad scene and you do just kind of wonder in what in what world do you think that 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 is sort of okay you know like yeah you just wonder what what went through i suppose yeah john hughes head when he was like okay yeah let's let's have this and because they are teenagers i think like you kind of forget that almost. Um, like obviously it's set yeah. off school and stuff, but they are like they were all the actors were quite a bit older, apart from Molly Ringwald actually. Molly, Molly Ringwald was only I think seventeen or eighteen at the time, which makes yeah, it I, sort yeah, of I even worse because um, Bender yeah. he was like in his thirties. Oh, that it's really really you know uncomfortable to think about um and you know it's just like a very problematic uh sexist scene um but in so i I think yeah there are definitely bits of the movie that have not aged well at all not even like aging well like you know a lot that's just you know we're not okay no never we're never okay um but yeah i think overall i Really, really enjoyed this movie. I mean, I'm actually so glad that you picked this movie to come on to the podcast and talk about because it gave me a chance to rewatch, which I really mean to do for this movie because I hadn't seen it in a really long time. And I now have an even bigger appreciation yeah. for it than I already did. 
Yeah, I feel like that's a, a big thing with the, that, with the film. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, I think the more you watch it, the more, the better it is. Because there's all these yeah. tiny little nuances that come out with it. Um, and it's it's so much cleverer than you think it is. Um, when you first watch it, yeah, and it's, yeah it's, a, it's an amazing film. I, If anyone listening has not seen it, please, please just do yourself a favour and watch it. Because it's amazing. So, yeah. That is The Breakfast Club. Um, in terms of streaming, it is currently, I don't think, on any streaming services. I rented it for £3 on Amazon Prime. And honestly, if you can afford that... Uh, I'd say go for it because it's well worth the three pounds. Um, and that is The Breakfast Club, 1985, directed by John Hughes. We'll be back after a quick little break. And we are back for our final segment. As you know, here on Eddie Film Club, we like to show that we are well-rounded individuals. We have interests outside of team movies, and we're here <laughs> to talk to you about a couple of them. So, Stella Clancy, what have you enjoyed this week that's not film-related? Um, I... I don't know if I should be admitting to this, but I'm going to anyway. If you say Emily Carr, I swear. I, you took the words out of my mouth, Jack. You just did. You did. I, oh. I, can't, I, I know. I know it's bad. I know. And I do think it is bad. And I laugh <laughs> at it. But I would be lying if I said I didn't finish it very quickly. And I wasn't a tiny bit sad when it ended. And felt like I potentially needed more. Yeah. I can't... Honestly, yeah. Like, I, I've heard so many people have been watching it. Um, I I really am trying to stop myself because I know that as soon as I start, I'm going to, like, binge through all of it. Yeah. Well, see, that was me. I totally avoided watching it. I was like, I'm not going to do it. It looks rubbish. There's no point. And then I started it and I was like, right, okay, well then, that's fine. It's very watchable. And also, like, because the episodes are so small, yeah. like, you can really just, yeah. it's so easy to get through. And it is just like, uh, it's like lighthearted fun. You know, you don't need to pay too much attention or work too hard to watch it. It's just quite nice. Yeah. I think it's had such a cultural moment right now. It really has. Yeah, everybody's watching it, and I really think that you can attribute it, attribute a lot of that to coronavirus and the fact that you know most people aren't really going on holidays. You know, yeah, everything is so bleak right now. Yeah, plus we've got the presidential elections and you know Brexit and so many different terrible bad things going on. Yeah, um, while you stay at home, and the idea of having a bit of escapist fun going around seeing paris yeah seeing the sight. well see this is the thing it, it's just it's so sort of light-hearted and fun and it is just something to take your mind off 
all of the daily stresses and like the big world stresses that are going on right now. And honestly, yeah, it makes Paris just look like so much fun to be in and to go to. Oh, yeah. Um have you been to Paris? I have not. I have not been to Paris. Me neither. We should go to Paris. Oh, we could go all... for a romantic mini break yeah. together. We could go for a romantic mini break together. Put a love lock on the bridge. <laughs> That would be so... Oh. On the bridge? They're not even on... Are they on a bridge? In Paris? I, well, I don't know. I've not seen it. I mean, either. Hmm. I don't know. Well, put a love lock somewhere. I know that pe- people put the love locks anywhere, right? Anywhere that's got a railing. Yeah, pretty much. Put on a McDonald's. Pretty much. It, it's so funny when you see a um, love lock, like just a single love lock on its own on some random oh, yeah. railing, like somewhere in Edinburgh. Because you're like... What so led to this? Like, this isn't. There's not even like a place where we do love locks really here. It's just oh, so funny. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. But yeah, so Emily in Paris streaming on Netflix. If you would like to become addicted <laughs> to something that is maybe not great, but is very very watchable, from what I've heard, um, I'm probably gonna start it in the next couple of days. I I want to say that I won't, but. I know myself and I know I will. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. This week I have been doing a lot, been watching a lot of movies, um, watching a lot, been in a real kind of animation kick recently. Interesting. Um, I've been watching Voltron, the animated uh, DreamWorks show on Netflix. I know I'm behind, finished a couple of years ago. Still, you would not like this at all. You would find it very interesting. Yeah, it does not sound like it's really up my street. <laughs> it's like a kid's show, but it's got some really, really good writing. Um, the animation is so beautiful. If you like some kind of sci-fi mecha action, it's great. Mm-hmm. I am nervous, though, because, like, so the show ended on season eight, and I know that people really don't like the ending of the show. Uh... And so... It feels like if you were to start Game of Thrones now, right? Like, you know it's going good. But eventually, you're going to hit that ending, and you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, that's the risk with like watching a long-running TV series that ended yeah. a while ago. Like You just know. You know to, to panic when it gets close to the end, because you're like, I'm going to be angry at this. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah. Like how you're going to feel if Grey's Anatomy ever ends. Oh. Grey's Anatomy has not already broken my heart in terms of disappointing endings. But, like, it's not ended yet. It's yeah. just gotten disappointing. But will I stop watching it? No, never. Because I've I've committed. I'm in a committed relationship with Grey's Anatomy. But one day it will break my heart. I think that that is fair enough. That's so fair enough, I think. Um, the other thing is, I have got a little free trial for Apple Arcade. Little games on your phone. Oh. Let me tell you, there's this puzzle game called Grindstone. Ooh, I recommend it if you want to lose all of your time. I find it so addictive. What is it? It's so good. It's like this puzzle game oh, um, where you're like trying to create you're like a warrior and you're trying to like create chains through enemies and it starts off really, really simple and you're like, Okay, this is fine. And then it gets so complicated and becomes so strategic. And because there's no kind of time limit, it means you can really 
sit back and plan out your actions. It makes you feel really smart when you do that. Oh, fun. That's like how um, Professor Layton games on the DS used to make me feel really smart oh, yeah. when, I, when I did the puzzles correctly. I love Professor Layton. Those are so good. They were 100% my favourite games when I was growing up. And I have all of them. I love if, them so dearly. Oh, yeah. If Professor Layton got a live action movie, honestly. Oh, my God. Emma Thompson should play. That would be great. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that would be exactly her, like, her vibe completely. Mm, yeah. I, I would love it. I would love it so much. Me? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having so, me. It was so good to have you. Uh, would you like to tell people where they can find you um, on Instagram? Uh, yes, I'm at Star Clancy on Instagram. You can give me a follow if you want to. <laughs> you don't have to. She's got a lot of spicy photos. Looking great. Yeah. Lives a very exciting life. Um... For Eddie Film Club, you can find us on Instagram at Eddie Film Club. You can find us on Twitter at Eddie Film Pod. I promise I will update the Twitter at some point. I've kind of been neglecting it. Uh, for any kind of longer queries, questions, uh, requests, if you want to be on the show, feel free to send us an email, eddiefilmclub at gmail.com. And you can find me on Letterboxd at TizMeJack. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next week. And remember, the first rule of Eddie Film Club is tell all your friends about Eddie Film Club. See you soon. Bye. (laughs) 